The first rule of Fight Club Minute is we do talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club Minute is we do talk about Fight Club. The third rule of Fight Club Minute, someone yells stop, goes limp, taps out, the minute is over. Fourth rule, only one guest to a minute. Fifth rule, one minute at a time, fellas. Sixth rule, no shirt, no shoes. Seventh rule, minutes will go on as long as they have to. And the eighth and final rule, if this is your first time listening to Fight Club Minute, enjoy the show. I am Jack's 27th minute. I begin with a volcanic blast of debris that blows out of the window and flies sailing into the night, and I end with Marla's number on a burnt scrap of paper. I'm your host, Bubba Wheat, and while my co-host Lance Stanford can't come into the unit under police orders, he can come to this podcast. So how are you doing today? Good. There's a lot of things I can't do under police orders, <laughs> but uh, that's a story for another podcast. And our guest... For the last time this week is uh, someone with a fridge full of condiments, but no food. Chris Nelson, how are you doing today? As uh, as good as can be expected under the circumstances. Thank you. Well, welcome back. And on our Friday's episode, I I like to you know end end on a bit of a positive note because I, I know that this movie in general has been kind of a magnet for uh, toxic masculinity. And I wanted to give you an opportunity to share an example of positive masculinity to kind of counter that. And so is is there anything else? Um, uh, so is, is there a good example of positive masculinity, like whether it's uh, another movie, TV show, or even something in your personal life? Yeah, I was thinking, um, you know what I think has a, a has a good amount of kind of positive masculinity across the board in terms of movies is uh the lord of the rings trilogy you know i think like people like aragorn people like that kind of fit into that mold right not yeah i i think so although you know whenever like in terms of uh you know i i think it's a good example of positive masculinity but it is a bad example of gender equality because uh, the uh, i always think about you know the if you uh, it's a clip of Lord of the Rings, but it's only any time two female characters talk to each other, and it's just like one line of like a little girl. It's yeah. it's like literally yeah. a ten second clip. <laughs> yeah, I have seen that. It's like the Battle of Helm's Deep, and some kid like cries to their mom. <laughs> That's the only. <laughs> it cuts to directed by Peter Jackson. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's true. Fair point. But I, I do think that there that that is a good example of like positive masculinity. I, I think, you know, you mentioned Aragorn, but I think Samwise Gamgee, I, he is a fantastic example of that. I, I love yeah. him as a character. Uh, and and I love that, you know, I love those movies, too. I, it's, it's been too long since I've rewatched them. I, I need to give them another watch again sometime soon. Yeah, whenever I get the flu... Uh, I kind of, you know, if I'm, I'm just, I'm just like lying around for a week. I, I will, I tend to watch the extended trilogy and the special features, <laughs> which, which I've already all seen before, but it's always entertaining. Yeah, I, I don't do that as, as much, but I, I often um, 
I was always somebody that would devour a DVD. Like I would watch every commentary, every special feature anytime I got a new DVD. Now I just don't have the time, which is a shame. Yeah. And they don't always put all that stuff like Disney. I know like Disney plus has some stuff on some of the movies, some extras, but it's not, not the same. Yeah. And then, you know, let's, let's go ahead and jump into today's minute. And, you know, one thing that I, I thought of it at first, because I've, I've never personally lived in a high rise. So I don't know if I would recognize my window from the outside and until I looked at it a bit more closely and realized that, well, he's the, the second from the top. So I, I think that's, that's pretty easy. Like if maybe if he was somewhere in the middle, he, there would be a question of whether or not it was his apartment. But I, I think being second from the top, that's pretty, pretty clearly like you just look up at the window and it's like, oh, that's definitely my apartment. I know it would have been funny to see him like one, two, like pointing at the window, <laughs> counting up like one, two, three. Oh yeah, that is me. Damn it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the, like this visual of of this of the building is is nice and and he already talked about the the foot thick concrete walls and you really see it in this shot of the building because it's the disaster is a hundred percent contained to just his apartment like it, it's it doesn't appear to be any damage to the exterior of the building it, it really feels like it was just his apartment and nothing else that got blown up, which, which kind of falls in line with the uh, the mischief mischief of Tyler, which is, you know, he's about destruction, mayhem, but not quite so much about death and killing people. It, it's about destroying uh, commercialism more than anything else. Well, I. Yes and no. Like I also feel like at this point in the movie, Tyler is just trying to help the narrator. Like his vision is for the narrator to be the best he can be. And then later on, when we start um, Fight Club, he's helping more people, you know, be who they really are and be who they can be. Then we expand into Project Mayhem, and so I think like, I mean, I feel like the whole movie, the narrator is Tyler's first experiment uh first subject however you want to phrase it but like his first human sacrifice as, as we'll yeah. see later in the movie yeah so you know i think that's why it is just contained um whereas if he were to do this to uh angel face later on he'd probably take out the whole floor you know find a way to like warn the people it like find out what their jobs were and stuff and be like hey you can either join me but i'm gonna blow up this place um but i definitely feel like Again, as it, the movie goes on, Tyler's vision grows of the more people he wants to help. So here he's just has blinders on for the narrator because the narrator just has blinders on for himself. And that's why it is so precise and self-contained. Yeah, it seems like it builds in scope as the, the movie goes goes on. And I, I do really like the progression of this scene and, and how it's it builds because you know on wednesday we talked about the you know it starts off with just seeing the police cars in the window but you don't necessarily know what it's for and then whenever he gets out you see the the red lights from the fire truck uh just uh reflecting off of um the the scenery 
and then the camera pans directly up to show the apartment. And then after that, it pans down in order to show the fire truck uh, with the ladder up. And then we get the focus on Jack's reaction and, you know, his look of complete and utter shock about what happens. And then we get the pan across with the all the uh, rubble from his apartment with the has the very noticeable uh, fruit bar yin yang coffee table. Yeah, I like how it was, you know, when we were putting all that stuff in the apartment earlier in the film, we had that nice, really well done uh, left to right camera pan. But here we are with everything destroyed doing your right to left camera pan, which already, you know, I, I think we've talked about it before. Um, maybe, I don't know. Um, you know, that just automatic, that motion makes people, American audiences, like unnerved to begin with, like just uncomfortable. So seeing everything he built being torn down, uh, I, I love the the yin and yang of it. I like the coffee table. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. And um, I, I'm not sure if, if we did mention it, but yeah, I, and I didn't think about the, the left to right versus right to left, but uh, yeah. Um, left to right feels natural because that's kind of the, the direction that we read and, and that we write. And so, yeah, whenever we're going from right to left, it feels a bit more unnatural and unnerving. And yeah, then that, that uh, film class that I taught that we talked about a few weeks ago, that was one of the big lessons I gave. I was like, anytime you watch it, the horror movies, good horror movies do it with subtlety and stuff um, to really just hype and accentuate what's going on. Um, I think it's interesting here. There's not a lot of, I mean, this movie doesn't have a lot of music cues anyway, but you know, this is a time when you definitely could have built something, but they just rely more on the street noise, which I think is almost better, um, almost more unnerving because it's like, we know if you hear the siren, if you hear the, you know, if you hear a cop siren, police siren, fire truck siren, any of those, like something is wrong. And so I, I kind of like that it, and by the end of the minute, there's a little bit of music building up, but I like that when we see everything, it's it's kind of calm and quiet. Yeah, and and it's like the destruction is is pretty severe. Like uh, you you don't really like other than the the yin yang co coffee table, which is very prominent and. And you do see a uh, a Starbucks coffee cup. You don't you don't see the logo, um, and I I know we talked about it at least once, but we haven't been like talking about it a lot because there there is a a quote from David Fincher's that where he says that he put a Starbucks coffee cup in every single scene in this movie, which I I don't believe is accurate. I think there are a lot of them, but they're not in every scene. But I do think that there's a lot more uh starbucks coffee cups than than you might expect like I, I was even looking for them in the airport scene and i didn't see any there although i did uh i did find there was a um a tumblr site that was looking for the starbucks coffee cup but they they only made it about 20 30 minutes into the movie before they stopped but uh there actually were um a few coffee cups in like the support group scenes, but they were like way in the background. So they are easy to miss. 
but other than that it you know it, it's mostly just like this quick shot of rubble and then we get the doorman and uh he's played by charlie dell and he is another one of like those guy actors and he just has like this uh, kind of interesting look and an interesting voice and he's someone who like plays the quirky neighbor or the quirky barista or you know that type of character and and i like you know even though he only gets like 10 to 20 seconds of screen time i kind of feel like you can read into a backstory to this guy uh, what do you guys think about the, the doorman as a character yeah he seems like he feels he like just feels like pity for jack and probably probably a lot of the people that live there right if they're yeah. all if they're all sad sad widows and uh young professionals who do nothing but work a lot of people in their house coats because it's apparently you know very late at night uh the only experience like i've never had a doorman um and the only show like the only two shows that i know that feature doorman prominently are uh only murders in the building which as of this recording just came back so i'm really excited um and curious george because <laughs> my kids watch it uh, well, even... and uh, Legally Blonde 2 is another oh, one there. Okay. Bob Newhart. Who could yeah. forget Legally Blonde 2? Um, but, you know, like, you usually see the doorman, like, they know, even when they have smaller roles in movies, like, they know the ins and outs and what's going on. They're the person that keeps the inside safe and the outsiders out. Um, there's a scene in Disney's Elemental that it's a really cute scene with the doorman and, and stuff trying to keep the mom out um it should be streaming by the time this airs and uh, go check it out but you know i think uh, again it would be interesting to see the doorman kind of give jack the same like i mean he he's paid to be nice to him but if he was could treat him kind of the way the airport security guard did of like yeah i mean i'm doing my job i'm being nice but even like if he said do you have anybody to call because i never see you with anyone or, you know, something yeah, like that. Well, so, I feel like that's implied. Yeah. 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 The way he said it, he's like, do you have anybody? But I just, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's pity he feels, but I also don't think, obviously he doesn't care about him because he's just like, hey, you can't go up there. I mean, he has the tone, but again, I think that's just the job talking and he doesn't actually, this isn't his friend. You know, it's not like the man in the yellow hat who is friends with the door guy um with the dog but but it is somebody that he recognizes on site because you know he doesn't like he he sees him coming and you know he knows which apartment was blown up and you know as soon as he sees him he recognizes him he's like i know that you're the person that lives in the apartment that just got blown up and so i'm telling you that you can't go up there and you know he does like have this this kind of sad look on his face, like as he kind of slowly, you know, as Jack slowly walks back out the, the building and he kind of, and the doorman kind of slowly follows him with this look of like, I kind of read it as like a, a mix of pity and curiosity. And then he, he does ask, do you, do you have anyone to call? And, you know, kind of like we just said, I, I feel like that him asking that, implies that he has never seen jack go up to the 
his apartment with anybody else. He's only ever seen Jack go up to his apartment by himself. And so he doesn't, so he like, that is an honest question from the doorman. Like, does he have anybody at all? Like, do you have any friends? Do you know anybody at all that you can call? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, yeah, he's probably, you, he, I don't think Jack's the kind of person where you ever see them have any kind of family or close relationships where you would, yeah, so you would always wonder, like, does this person have anybody? Mm-hmm. I will say, too, um, like, yeah, like you said, he is one of those guys, Charlie Dell is one of those guys you, like, have seen before, right? Um, and the two things I, looking at his IMDb, the two things that, like, really stick out for me that I remember are he was in She's All That, and he tells Rachel Lee Cook, uh, Rachel Lee Cook is working at a falafel shop, and he tells her to supersize his balls. <laughs> and then the other thing is is in liar liar um jim carrey's like beating himself up in the bathroom of the of the courthouse and he comes in he's like what the hell are you doing and he's like i'm kicking my ass do you mind so he's oh, that guy yeah <laughs> yeah i'm to be uh he's born yeah. on halloween in Texas. But... His other notable credits is, which I didn't watch, but he was in 56 episodes of Evening Shade, so I imagine he was a regular on that show. I used to watch the heck out of Evening Shade. I mean, my parents watched it, but yeah, I remember watching that show. It didn't, I mean, it was only 99 episodes, so he was on more than half of them. Who yep. was he on Evening Shade? <laughs> I have to get on Tubi or whatever, Freebie, one of those, and watch them. Evening shade, I guess. Nub Oliver. Hmm. Hmm. I have never heard of what you're talking about. <laughs> it's Burt Reynolds sitcom in the early 90s. Wow. It's it's exactly what you imagine it. <laughs> I didn't even know it was a, a sitcom. Like by uh, like I had def- I've heard the name, but I've never I don't think I've even seen like a commercial for it. And based for whatever reason, based on the the title "Evening Shade" I, and the fact that it was Burt Reynolds, I, I kind of thought that it was like a uh, a, a cop procedural. Well, it, it, the tone, and this is going to sound weird, but if you've seen "Evening Shade," um, basically, if you mix like Home Improvement and In the Heat of the Night, that's kind of what this show was. It was like weirdly southern, but weirdly family but definitely very whitewashed and uh i don't know it was like i grew up we grew up watching in my home and we were conservative west texas all the time but uh it's i don't know it's Burt reynolds i love Burt reynolds so but it's a it's definitely a show that could only happen in 1990 with Burt reynolds for sure <laughs> uh and then you know, the the last thing that we get in this scene is the, you know, another shot of the condiment filled but foodless refrigerator that has been smashed on the ground and slightly singed. And, and again, another little bit from the script that's just a slight change is in the script, it mentions that he um, pulls Marla's number from underneath a banana refrigerator magnet so you know we we don't see it attached to the refrigerator but we do see the refrigerator and then he picks up the the number and 
I feel like that fits right in with Jack's personality that whenever he got home from getting Marla's phone number, he would have transferred it to a note card and placed it on the fridge with a magnet. Like how it's a banana magnet as well. <laughs> like no innuendo there. Very specific script. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure intentionally, like, I think if they did film it, it wouldn't be like a bunch of bananas. It would be like a single banana and it would probably be like halfway peeled just to have, get the extra, uh, you know, phallic symbolism to it. And the other thing that, that I have to mention is that her phone number 555-0134 is the exact same number as Teddy's number in Memento which I just recently finished covering on my other podcast. So I, I think that's that's kind of funny that both of those two characters have the exact same phone number. Yeah, it's interesting. Has he has he put that in anything else? Oh wait, no. I'm why am I what am I thinking? Never mind. Ignore me. <laughs> yeah. Nolan mode for a second. I just saw Oppenheimer last week. Yeah, David Fincher and Christopher Nolan are not the same person, and we, we don't have a prestige situation going on there. Interesting. I learned so I learned so much on this podcast. Have we seen them in the same room though? <laughs> have you ever seen them in the same room? That's, That's a good point. No, I I think it. So I very adamant like this is one of those movies that doesn't need to be remade. But if it had been made today. I feel like the the condiments in the kitchen would be very bougie, like Food Network star, uh, you know, like... Like since, Rachel Ray mustard? Yeah, or, you know, like stone... I mean, if you saw my fridge... I, I can say this because my fridge has a bunch of weird condiments. Uh, but, like, <laughs> we have four types of mustard in our fridge. We have, like, stone ground, spicy, brown, regular, um, and I think another one. And we don't even like mustard. But well, I mean, I, I, I do remember whenever we talked about the com- condiments, uh, he he has four different types of mustard. He's got like Trader Joe's and like yeah. two other kinds. But I can see him having like, you know, the uh, home, you know, grown on a small farm, just how he talks about the glasses, like grown on a small farm in Argentina, uh, small batch, great preserves or, you know, organic. Something. Everything yeah. would be organic. Yeah. And then that's that's how this minute ends with him looking at Marla's phone number. And uh, that's that's the end of my notes. Do either of you have anything else about this minute? No, um, this, you know, I, I I do want to say I want to commend Fincher because even though we kind of get a little bit of it later, you know, most filmmakers, especially the late 90s filmmakers, you know, that's kind of like the rise of Michael Bay and stuff. We would have seen this big epic explosion. You know, he would have pulled up right as everything was exploding and big special effects, pyro. Uh, and the fact that we like just see the aftermath, I think, is a makes it like a more personal note almost. You know, it's a, it's like you see the memes about cool guys walk away from explosions, but we don't even see the explosion. We just see the loss and and like I said, and the the. Well, it's of- it's backloaded because we do like whenever we get the recreation later in the movie, then we do get to like it. It's still not like a full on glory shot. If if I like, I ha- I haven't rewatched it recently, but I've I, you know, it's not like the full on glory shot explosion. It, it kind of uh, 
It's like know. a Discovery Channel explosion, how it like yeah. focuses on this and then slow-mos over to here. And it, it, it's a very technical explosion, like not a Michael Bay explosion. Right. And yeah, the, yeah, this scene does just focus on basically the loss. And and also, again, kind of like he just lost his clothes in, in the suitcase, which um, I actually that that reminds me of, of another slight change in the script. And in, in the script, they actually have a scene that I don't think they filmed of a shot of the, the police officer's with his suitcase and they actually blow it up like a, a controlled explosion uh, for safety because it's since it's a bomb scare that's uh so they they destroy his suitcase and then the security officer gives him a claims form to fill out to get reimbursed that, that does not surprise me that that was in the script that does seem like something that they could have envisioned fitting into here Right. And then, you know, Chris, this this is your last time with us for this minute. And, you know, I, I wanted to give you an opportunity since, uh, you know, you're just stuck with these three minutes. But if there's any other part of the movie that's that you wanted to talk about or comment on before you you leave this podcast, uh, I wanted to give you that opportunity to now. No, I mean, nothing specific. Like I said, at the in minute 25, that's, you know, one of my favorite movies and you know, I remember 12 year old me seeing the twist of this movie kind of blew my mind. So it's definitely, definitely a good one. Nice. Well, uh, again, thank you so much for joining us this week. And I uh, thank everybody for listening. You can find us. We are Fight Club Minutes. We are available on all the podcatchers out there. And again, we are doing that uh, contest. Uh, if we are aiming for as many reviews as we can get. I, I know Apple Podcasts is the biggest one that still allows full written reviews in order to help increase our presence and help us grow our audience. And so if uh, you do give us a rating and a review, send a screenshot of that to fightclubminutes at gmail.com. And if we hit 25 reviews across the, you know, mainly Apple podcasts, but anything else, as long as it allows the a written review and not just a rating, uh, go ahead and do that for us to, to help us grow. And uh, if, if we hit 25 ratings, we will uh, give one random entrance a copy of Fight Club 2. And if we make it up to 50, we will give a random entrance a copy of fight club three we are also a member of rabbit hole podcasts and you can find uh, other great podcasts at rabbitholepodcasts.com and uh you know until next time this has been fight club minutes and this podcast is ending one minute at a time do you have somebody you can call how embarrassing a house full of condiments and no food hey nick Hey, Bubba Weed. Hey, did you know this the song Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel? He, he was actually talking about his penis. What? The whole time? Yeah, it's, you know, he was talking about having sex. And and did you know that uh, the song Blinding Lights by The Weeknd was actually about driving under the influence? Under the influence? I figure driving because of the lights, but under the influence as well? And did you know that Weapon of Choice was actually about Dune? No, no. Now I know you're lying. 
could be. And uh, at Lyrical Innuendo, we actually discuss these songs and more and decide if they are really about sex, drugs, or if they're just rock and roll. And you can find the newest episodes on Spotify and everything else at rabbitholepodcasts.com.